Before we get started, I just want to take a minute to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Town Square Brewing. I really recommend that anyone of age get out and find some of their craft beer and give it a try if you haven't already. There are so many flavors to choose from. I I guarantee you'll find at least one that you completely love. Uh, I know there's a lot of craft beer out there and there are a lot of great ones being made in the city. But I know our listeners are also aware that no one really loves small business and supporting local as much as I do. And I, I can't think of any better way to spend what little money you have added into a recession than on Town Square Beer. Uh, 18 plus, please, please drink responsibly, of course. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. My girlfriend and I went and saw the show yesterday afternoon. So it was cool for sure. It's uh my like first question is how long were you guys kind of marinating on the idea of all this before you went through with the show? Yeah. Um well Carolyn and I have been working on this together for about a about a year. But Carolyn has been thinking about this project for quite a bit longer. I, uh, yeah, like I feel the mall is such an interesting, uh, like subject. I mean, in in so many different like realms. But I feel that there aren't that many showcases of it out there. Like for something that's kind of been in our either ours or like other generations existence for decades there aren't that many like cohesive bodies of work about them all did you guys like think about that before going forward with this yeah I mean that was a big kind of impetus for the project was you know we know we know the mall is culturally significant we all have our our stories and experiences going to the mall I was certainly seeing artists being, you know, making work informed by the mall or their whole, their entire artistic practice being shaped by the mall, but like, wasn't really seeing those connections come together. And it's really funny, like reading through, there's this book that came out about a year ago called Meet Me by the Fountain, which is looking at the history of American malls and sort of like the post-war era. And uh, one of the things that she talks about is like her sheepishness I'm doing that project because it's like, are like, is this a like, are people going to think this is like a legitimate area of inquiry as a historian? Um, so it's really funny. Like, um, I think that because, uh, you know, we think of malls as just places where we like wrapped up in like consumerism and like sites of awful capitalist things, but also like incredibly banal is like this, like, suburban experience I think it really discourages people from thinking about it um thinking about its cultural significance um, yeah. and taking that 
seriously um, and in applying the same curiosity to it that we would um, like other place, like other uh, places that we spend that much time or like have informed the way we are in the world as much as the mall. And were there um, like, obviously you guys selected the, the people to showcase their art in the in the show but do you without naming names or anything is there more people out there that have work on the subject or did you like find all the people that had stuff to show and then put them in a show i think there's definitely lots more people like so many (laughs) i it's interesting like right after the show my girlfriend and i met a friend of ours who had also gone to see the show yesterday separate from us and we were talking a whole bunch about it and I was thinking there must be so many photos from the mall like of you know before digital cameras like everyone in a certain age must have photos of them at the mall but all of these people are not artists you know like back then you just had photos for the sake of documentation so I wonder how many photos of the mall are out there that no one will ever see probably probably millions this did come up in one of the um artists talks uh Morgan Malenka was talking about how like within the uh, Edmonton archives, there's not a ton of archived photos of the mall. Like it's kind of rare. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I'm just like, I feel like we all have pictures of the mall, but there are certain things that just haven't been documented as well. Like certain attractions or just certain like stages of the mall's um, like development, I guess that just weren't weren't documented as well so yeah I love the idea of of being like send us your your random web photos from your I know I I was thinking like what you guys did with the the memories was incredible and like going into it I saw like when we entered the room we could see the memories and then we went around like that was the last last like piece that we looked at and even though they were so simple, like every one of them made me like feel a certain way. Like even if I had nothing to do with this memory or had never like been to the store they were referencing, just the idea of like someone else having such a like tie to the mall was really, really cool. So I don't know if you guys knew how like sentimental that would be, but I like that probably that or the video, like the death by chocolate. It's probably my two like favorite parts of the show, even though I loved it all. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like the minute that we announced this show on social media, people were like, cinnamon buns are death. Or like, I would, you know, Johnny Rockets forever. Or yeah. know, like immediately had this like desire to share their personal stories. And that's why the, the exhibition's really grounded in sort of like connecting to these personal relationships we have. Cause there's like, there isn't a place for those to be shared. And like, so to be able to do some small thing to, support building like a bit of the social history 
of the mall and its significance here. I mean, we live in a city that's never represented to us in media and popular culture. I mean, Last of Us accepted in that, right? Um, <laughs> unless it's a post-apocalyptic landscape. We never see ourselves reflected up in like popular culture and stuff. So I think it also is that deeper significance for Edmontonians of like actually getting to see something important to them in their daily lives reflected in culture. Like that matters a lot. The fact that Dan Graham, who made that Death by Chocolate video, he's like a prolific American artist. Like he's in the canon of contemporary art, no doubt, no doubt. Um, and he came to West Edmonton Mall twice like, over a twenty over a twenty year period. Yeah, it's wild. Wow, <laughs> and that just like it really blows. It really blows my mind. But I think it's such a great remember. Mem- like. It's, it's so important for us to remember that is like, there's something really important that happened here. And like, as Morgan also mentioned in her talk, like part of the reason that Las Vegas ended up looking like it was is because they took notes from West Edmonton Mall. Like this isn't just significant yeah. to us here locally in Edmonton. It's had a big cultural impact beyond the city as well. Um, and in terms of that nostalgia thing that you point to, I mean, that was a, that was really important Um in this exhibition, it's not a history, right? We don't have any sort of chronology. It is not every work ever made because the mall is a place of nostalgia, right? Like the nostalgia is more important than the history in this particular project. Yeah. Like they don't, they they don't want that the mall isn't is interested in like history or heritage or preservation, right? It's about sort of like the immediacy, but yet all these people have these stories. They have history there, and so how can we honor? The history that people have in this space. Did uh, a lot of people reach out to you guys after the fact to share stories that maybe didn't make it to like the the slideshow or the papers on the wall? Like you hear other people like telling you how important the mall was to them without writing it down on the paper. Yeah, I, and the that Wemory's project that is still ongoing. Um, uh, the artist or the artist and designer for that, Vicky Wachinski, is still accepting submissions right. for a, another few weeks, and then that'll get turned into uh, like a memory map of West Edmonton Mall. Um, so that project is still ongoing, but I have had just so many people come up to me or send me a, a text or a DM on Instagram, just being like, "I found this cool thing about the mall," or like do you remember this thing from the mall? Or I I remember when we went to the mall, like just certain, there's so many things and I feel like it's kind of all people talk to me about right now. Yeah. It's about the mall. Totally. 100%. I'm, yeah. I have people send me photos on the weekend. Yeah, of, people send me photos. Like, of, of themselves as a child in the mall and stuff. Um, and and also part of what's been really fun is talking to journalists. Like we've, we've gotten some really lovely media attention for the show and talking to people who, were like working, you know, like local the local news beat in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Like amazing, amazing stories. Um, and yeah. that's something I would have never really thought about. But of course, like they would be like an absolute wealth of knowledge about about them all. Yeah. Like we talked to someone who was who said he had covered um like all the animal rights activists that were protesting Howard the Dolphin yeah. in Westhead. Yeah, he's like, I cu- that was my story. I covered that entire thing. And I'm like, that is just so crazy to hear. Um, and so cool. Like, what a cool, like, part of history to be a part of. Cool and sad. 
Yeah, no, like polarizing for sure. I I agree. Very cool and also uh, sad. Like, of course, don't have a dolphin in the mall. But the idea, like the impact on pop culture of that happening is like undeniable part of the story. Yeah. I just, I wonder, like the way I worked, even just seeing the show and then talking to you guys and thinking about leading up to this chat, it made me think so much about the mall. So how can you guys be satisfied with that being the end? Like, don't you have more on your mind now than you did going into it? Yeah. I feel like I keep thinking of new things I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> like two days before the show, I was like, I have to make a playlist. I have to make a West Edmonton mall playlist. I, I saw your call for that. Did, was, did people respond? Like, did I haven't you checked get... on it, it in, in a minute, but I, I've been adding to it. And people have been like, people have sent me, have sent me things to add. It's very funny. It's still ongoing, but yes. I, uh, I, I have a, an interesting fact. I don't know. Like, I guess you guys are the right people to tell this to but I don't know, like, where it fits. It's it's about the mall. But the water park <laughs> sign, like, on the outside of the water park, like, the big neon sign, we, um through Nowhere Fast, we did... It wasn't even a logo flip because we just did a shirt with that logo on it. But uh, a really good friend of mine who did the the rendering for me he went and photographed it and then just kind of like digitally traced it because we wanted it to be exactly how it was. And then it wasn't until after he was done, he pointed out like the R's, like the wave going through it at the time. I don't know if it's fixed now. We we did this like maybe four years ago, but the wave going through didn't, line up because the R's on the sign were backwards and then we looked into it and when they installed the sign they put the R's on like out of order and I guess it cost too much to redo it so they just left it like since the 70s (laughs) I love that that's so uh, funny. Thank you for sharing that. These are the stories that I love the most. And I also love this sort of, like, there's something about that story that's indicative of the way things change at the mall. Of like, you know, like, there's something that's upgraded, and then it just kind of ends. And there's no thought about the, like, the transition into the other, yeah. the next space. It just sort of, like, is over. Or, you know, like, um, one of my one of my favorite weird things at the mall in terms of design elements is the the granite around the elevator at Europa Boulevard. It's like, and like someone had like they even um sandblasted, you know, Europa Boulevard above the elevator or something. Like they must have worked with someone who were uh, like makes gravestones or something. It has that kind of look. <laughs> And then and it then, just is drywall. It's like you spend all of this money on this like granite around the elevator and then it just ends. And it's just, it's just, you know, ceiling tiles and it's just 
white drywall. And so I love, I love these stories. And I think it's, there's something about that aesthetic to them all that I find so wonderful. And part of the reason why it's so wonderful to work with Hannah on this project is like, she understands, you know, she, she understands why all of those, those things are important and wonderful. And why they like work. Like it's, it's bad. It's bad design, like objectively, but for me, I'm just, it works for me. I don't know. There's something about it that's so charming in a way, I guess. do you like what you're I guess no one will ever know really but do you think the people in charge of all these like aesthetic like the owners of the mall or whatever their job title would be do you think they were aware of the like legend of the mall or was it just a job to them like did they like you're saying how these things exist and then kind of drop off. I wonder if they were just like, uh, all right, like right Europa Boulevard above this elevator and then never think of it again. <laughs> you know, I have no idea. And it, to me, like in the context of this project, it's like, I, I'm most interested in like the, like the, the human people visiting the mall's experiences, like to, to me, that's what I'm most fascinated in. So I haven't, I mean, actually spent a lot of time thinking about uh, the the corporate entity that runs the mall. Right yeah, now. that really hasn't been on my mind. Did anyone from the mall uh, like reach out to you guys or did you have any like statements from the owners or like staff? The mall was invited. <laughs> there was, you know, yeah, they, uh, through a colleague who who works with folks over there, they received an invitation. So, yeah. But then didn't act on the invitation. Not that we know of. <laughs> I don't think I mean, anyone maybe, from maybe the mall came to the We just don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> they'll never tell us. <laughs> that that's another another thought. Like I was discussing with my friend after we saw the show, the mall. I I see them doing certain things like on social media and stuff. They clearly still, everyone needs press, like no matter how big you are, right? So the mall is still, I feel, doing things to get attention. But then when people do things like your show or, you know, I've seen other people like do mall related things in the mall never responds, never promotes it, never, like, gets behind, like, maybe not, like, backing it, but they don't even, like, acknowledge things, and there's all these people, like, almost doing their work for them, and I feel them all could be, like, interacting with the community more. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be, that would be great if, if that's something that they, um, would want to consider like engaging with the community that uh, that surrounds where where they are um, and the community that like helps keep them operating. I, I think that would be that's something that I'm like in the future of the mall when we when we consider like a phase five of the mall that's that would be like a kind of like a utopian vision of like what if the mall actively what if a mall, any mall could actively like support the community that built it? Um, but yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't get why, like, I mean, if I was in charge of the mall, which obviously <laughs> I'm not, I would have like a little museum 
like they one... should bring back the gift shops the mall gift shops with like spoons <laughs> like yeah I, stuff. I have i wish i had more but i actively like look for mall merch like on ebay and stuff like Me too. I, have, <laughs> I have an asterisk from the water park that apparently yes. like in the 80s if you got a family pass you got a free ashtray like the mall was just okay with like pushing smoking on family <laughs> like but so the mall good. isn't a place of history right like things things change there all the time like they're they're not interested in and i'm not saying this specifically about west Edmonton mall but about malls in right. terms of like how they're functioning culturally like they're th- th- that's not really what they're about is 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 heritage or anything like that um they're about they're about like the the bottom line of now like they're um they are they're a corporate entity that's about making money um and so uh there's a lot of things that have changed over over the years that you know they're they're not going to be preserved right like um uh you think about all of the brass and glass and mirrors in the exhibition it's like a lot of those things don't exist there anymore and even though they're part of this like they're I would say architecturally significant or like important design elements uh, of their era um that's just not what they're that's not what their jam is they're not that's not what they're here for and I and which is also really interesting to me um of just like taking all of these empty reference to all these things that that aren't real right like the Santa Maria is you know we're told is a recreation of the actual Santa Maria and there's no historical record that tells us what it looks like like this is the represent this is the relationship they have to history just like surfing on top of it yeah yeah I've heard that about the ship actually that that there's no there's no proof like no recorded proof to what they're saying about it still quite epic like for an Edmontonian everyone kind of knows the ship yeah. what actually oh, yeah. do you guys each have your own like memory like what what made you want to do this Hannah like do you have a specific tie to the mall like when you were younger that made you want to do this or you're just interested in the mall as uh cultural significance <laughs> I mean like yes to both of those questions I I think like I don't know if you would be able to put in the amount of like work and effort um that Carolyn and I have and the, all of the artists have put into the show uh without having some sort of connection to the mall um yeah, yeah I I grew up in Leduc uh I was born in Edmonton but I grew up in Leduc so going to the mall was like like a, a big deal for me um as a kid it's not a place I got to go to very often so yeah and some of my earliest memories at the mall were going on the submarine ride when I was little um and like seeing all the animals and <laughs> by the time <laughs> I was going to the mall they were very sad <laughs> so I remember feeling very sad seeing the animals um and I also had my 13th birthday party at the mall um in at the Fantasyland hotel we nice. got the truck room for my birthday oh, um, and that cool. was yeah classic it was very last minute so that's not what I wanted as a 13 year old girl but it was pretty pretty cool uh <laughs> and yeah that I kind of like think of that as uh 
the mall is is a space for a lot of like young teens it's kind of like and malls in general kind of are this first taste of independence so that that's kind of like what that what the mall makes me think of is like a time when I was first able to um kind of express myself freely or like just be with my friends and not be uh, at school or at home with my parents um yeah and then the mall is also a space that when I was older and I could drive myself, I'd be like, yes, I love the mall. I want to go to the mall all the time. I've been held back from the mall because my parents never wanted to take me. So yeah, very special place. It's it's cool that you can explain that and like contextualize it, right? Like obviously you guys cure are like professional art curators. So you, it's cool, like, some people would just throw together a show and be like, oh, the mall is cool, or, like, the you know, these photos were cool, but for you to be able to, like, eloquently explain, like, what it meant to you, that I think that's really cool, and I really appreciate that. And I know I, I missed the opening and missed the artist talks, but I, I've heard that they were that very like crucial part of it all. So I regret not being able to hear them. There's no shortage of programming. Yeah. So, so, so don't worry uh, <laughs> if, if you want to check out more things, uh, especially through the end, end of February into March. Uh, yeah. Lots more to check out. And do you have uh, memories from when you were younger at the mall, Carolyn? Um, you know, it's funny. I don't have like the, the irony to me in doing this project is I don't have like a specific experience that I point to or like something. It was like a very, uh, I mean, I grew up in South Edmonton, really close to Southgate. So we were Southgate people. And I feel like that's one of the ways that you're oriented. If you've lived in Edmonton your whole life, it's like you meet someone else who's always been from Edmonton, you know, you find out what high school they went to. But the other thing that people don't ask, but I also think is a really good sort of like indicator about who you are and what kind of Edmontonian you are is which mall you went to growing up. Right. Um, and so like the mall culture is so real here. So um, yeah, it was, it was like a place that I, I would say my family wasn't like super into Um but uh, had all of the mythical qualities of um, uh, of a place that when you're a teenager, you wanted to go. Um, so, and also just uh, um, have a lot of colleagues who have moved here from it to Edmonton from other places. Um, and uh, it's one of the things that they are most fascinated by, which has been, kind, which helped kind of renewed my understanding of, of its importance when they're like, oh my gosh, can we go to the mall? And I'm like, okay. Steve, that's um, and there's something about, yeah. I like, I feel guilty for this because I feel that us living here, we very quickly uh, like take the mall for granted. I, I feel that a lot of us in Alberta do the, I like, I equate what we do to the mall to what we do to the mountains like I'll drive through the mountains now and not even like phased at all like it's just a drive but if you think of it it's the most insane thing to be in these mountains like when people from outside of the city talk about the mall it's like 
insane you know huge there's flamingos in there there's roller coasters and but to us like it would just like kind of not immediately but i remember i moved here when i was 12 from ontario and the first few times i went to the mall it was absolutely the most insane thing i've ever seen but then after a few times then it's just like oh it's the mall like this is just like what exists and i think i mean it's great to have those first few times but then after it's just all like kind of lost on us and I guess I don't really know where I was going with that, but I'm saying your the show you guys put together kind of like made me feel like I was experiencing them all kind of for the first time again. So I'm like like thankful for that as well because it made me stop and think like this is such a ridiculous pop culture thing that I haven't really paid homage to in years, but now I want to. That's yeah, I think after the sh- after the show, that's amazing. I I had a lot of people be like, "Should we go to the mall? Like, this makes me want to go to the mall." Oh yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> if trying I can to go do to that, the then it's amazing. I was like, "Yeah, I I want to go get like a cinnamon bun and a pretzel. Like, let's go." <laughs> uh, I wonder if like I mean, just because like podcasts and Netflix and everything, like all these things that people haven't thought of for a while, are now like kind of the stories are able to be told. I wonder if, like, what's your prediction? Will there be, like, more people trying to, like, tell stories from the mall moving forward? Like, in a a good way. Like, not people really trying to emulate what you did, but, like, I'm saying there is all this info out there, or in theory there is, so I wonder if people are going to, like, tell the stories more and maybe you guys like put that in people's heads and made them think like oh yeah there is like all this history to be told I hope so I'm so here for it like I want to know I want to know when this is happening I'm showing up um and and also like you know again because Hannah mentioned there is because there aren't a lot of images and things in the in the archives it's like this is this is a this is a place that um, regardless of how it's treated is historically significant. And so there are things that I really would like to be on the record, you know, and there's all kinds of thoughts I've had about what happens next with this project. It's like, do, do we, is it going to be a traveling exhibition? Do, do we need like a, a book that's, you know, an anthology that, so we have these things uh, on the record because they matter mm-hmm. and they're just going to disappear. Right. Like um, uh, the, the folks, the architects behind the project, the lead architect has passed away, um, but they haven't all passed away. Like, let's let's make sure there's an interview out there that is accessible and on the record before they're gone. So I'm so I'm so here for more more mall mall talk. Yeah, I wonder if uh, because you you guys curated this, have you kind of whether you want to or not, like, are you guys the face of this movement now? <laughs> I, I, I would kind of like, I'd like to think We're so. Not a, I think, well, what about like the best Edmonton mall guy? Like, it's yeah. just like, it's not, it really isn't like we're the only folks thinking about these things. Yeah, exactly. true. And and I know he he was there, like he's supportive of, of the project, right? We're, 
we're actually collaborating with him on a project for the for the exhibition so that'll be launched in March um yeah he's going to be doing some 360 videos uh like a 360 video walking tour of the mall so people will be able to watch that with like a VR headset or just like on their computer or whatever that's um, cool yeah yes. he's <laughs> he's like authorized right like he's an employee of the mall I don't or- think so no I think oh. he's just like he just goes in and does it. He does have a relationship with the mall. Um, yeah, but he's not like an employee or like a press person. Uh, it's just it's just like sincere mall enthusiast. Uh, yeah. He's so great. And yeah, I know I like people I talk to from outside the city are definitely aware of his content. Like yeah, he, it's he's been, like, doing an incredible popular. job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like he's done a really good job of kind of compiling the history and like the records that are available. And a lot of it has been from him finding people's like home videos of visits from the mall on YouTube and people being like generous enough to share that with him and to allow him to share that with like a larger audience, I think is really, really cool. I think he's like built a lot of really great connections. And I, I like, his work in in making videos that talk about the history have been like helpful to me in my research. Um, yeah, I think the first video of his I saw was was about the submarine ride because I had to show my partner because he was like, "What do you mean there are submarines in West End?" Like he's like, "I don't, I wasn't here. I don't remember that." He's from Saskatchewan, and he moved here as an adult, so he's like, "What?" Uh, yeah, so I had to be like, "This existed. We had like these giant submarines." Anyways, I love the best. Funny, I think when I first found him, it actually might have been from the submarine video as well. It's a good one. I, I first I first saw I, I first got acquainted with him deeply, more deeply when I, I saw him present at the Edmonton Historical Society. Um yes. and it was like a presentation at the old timers cabin, and there's something about in like uh you know a, a self-appointed mall historian he would never call himself that he's too no. modest but um presenting to the historical society in the old timers cabin that I felt I loved so much and it was a great way to learn about his work and and, like, and honor the fact of like the the depth the, the depth of his contribution right when yeah, was definitely. that Ooh. uh 2019 or 18 yeah which is like i mean sounds like yesterday but really it was like four or five years ago yeah yeah are you guys familiar at all with uh the the kind of like the myth or the legend of all the like runaway teenagers living in the catacombs under the mall I've heard of the cat, the mall, like catacombs and like the underground of the mall, but not specifically this. What is this? Uh, like in in the nineties, I guess there was, and and I think it's real. Like I've I've done a bit of research on it, like a a tiny tiny bit of looking into it, and I do know the catacombs are real because when I was younger, I worked at HMV in the mall for a while like when it was 
cool like with the stage and everything (laughs) and there was all these like kids these runaway like a lot of west end kids that lived under the mall and i remember there was a thing on the news about it like kind of an expose but like i can't find any any proof of it but my mom also used to be a reporter for ctv Okay. So, so like the CTV was who did the story. Like I know all these things are real, real ish. <laughs> and I, I wish I, you know, like I wish podcasts existed back then. But when I was in high school, I was in summer school with a kid who was like a self-proclaimed mole rat, but like. It, it was and he was a really nice kid but he was obsessed with the mall like so much and he they always had like feuds with security so he ended up being banned from the mall because all he would do is hang out there and not shop and he like he came to class and he was like breaking down and like crying like this is how much he cared about the mall and I've looked to try to like find him and like see if he wants to like come on here and talk about being a mole rat <laughs> like 20 years ago but I can't find him but I I wish there was more info on this whole like culture of kids living under the mall and whenever I ask people about it they're like I don't I don't know I never really heard of it and then I just sound insane as <laughs> i probably do right now but i think i think there's truth to this i have i heard, mean i buy it i have heard tell of these stories too yes. yeah i've heard but of the catacombs of... <laughs> the, the I mean, catacombs are real like i I've, yeah. I've seen them i i've never <laughs> lived in them or like spent even a night but they are real but it's just i mean a lot of malls have Hallways underground so you can get through the mall without going in the mall. Like, that isn't that weird of a thing. It's just once runaway teenagers are living. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's part of what's so great about, about the mall, right, is, like, we have all these stories, real and apocryphal. We don't really know always what is what. And that shows you... That shows you its significance. It's like no single person can contain the stories. There's a way in which yeah, massive public space and it's significant and belongs to all of us. Like no one can hold on to it. It's uh, It has a mind and life of its own. Um, exactly. And all of these people's stories. And that's so great. I worry if the stories are becoming way less like cool and way less significant like you think about like when I was a teenager like going to someone's birthday party or like rock and ride or something ridiculous that's cool and now the stories the kids are like kind of amassing is like oh like we had to go there to get a Uniqlo or like the Arcturic store was <laughs> in the mall so we had to go there like I, I feel it's not the same at all but then it like I mean good for us and people before and a little after they like get the cool stories yeah youth culture's changed a lot right yeah. and um, there's uh, 
there's a reason why I think 90s and early 2000s nostalgia I mean it's also just time passing that it's that it, that people are interested in it but I think yeah. I think part of the fascination of it is the kind of the kind of youth culture that was happening in that moment right um we know I mean uh I my partner's a sociologist and so I hear a lot of things about you know trends and like uh you know we know that uh that teenagers don't drink very much at all like that they're they're living less social lives than than we did when we were teenagers yeah I know those shifts are happening um not to glorify teen drinking but it tells us something right <laughs> yeah it, it, yeah it tells us something about what's happening they play a lot more like video games alone in the basement or um you know they don't have sex like there's something shifting in in, in what it's like to be a teenager now versus 20 years ago that's less social yeah that uh, definitely true and i mean yeah of course you don't want to like really push any of that stuff on kids but it did have an impact and you can even see looking back on it like how times were different and i i mean i feel kids even though they're doing less of that are still way more wild now than we were when we were going to the mall and like maybe teen drinking or something so maybe the trade-off isn't that bad again yeah it's not, like not promoting teen drinking <laughs> it's not a judgment yes. call it's just a matter of like what do these changes mean like yeah like things have and maybe like Why? teens are they're living more online i guess or like publicly online in a way that like, I definitely wasn't <laughs> as a teenager. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's like, in some ways, there there's like positives and negatives to it, I guess. But it is like, part of me is like, oh, I got to experience Rock and Ride and it was great. <laughs> so bring it back. <laughs> Summer yeah. attractions pass? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> the, like, I just, I think about the things I've seen at the mall like, I don't know if you can still do it, but people used to be able to bungee jump, like, in the water park. Like, yeah. but I think it was just, like, above the wave pool. Like, you just, yeah. like, went up there and, like, jumped. and It's wild. Was it... I don't know if they do it anymore. I feel like they don't. They're the, I would I would love if, if someone could, like, myth bust all these... All the legends I heard uh, yes. at the water park too, and and sorry if if this makes anyone all it has to do with this harm. Someone was going down the sky screamer, and I heard that they had their arms at their side, like for aerodynamics, and their fingernails ripped off because they got caught, like in the seam of the side slide. But then the, I can't find any proof that either. Some people had said like they had only drained the wave pool like twice in the first like 30 years. And then when they did, there was just like so many like rats, which I thought Edmonton didn't <laughs> No, have we don't that. have those. <laughs> yeah, so like, I mean, they're it's still it's big so enough to like create all these like legends and folklore mm. was, totally. was there an Ikea in the mall like do you know yeah. if that's real yes yeah yes I confirm 
<laughs> it's something that Vicki Wierczynski talks about who did the memories project of um, when her parents immigrated from Poland of they would go to the Ikea in the mall because it's, it was the place that felt the most like Europe. Aww. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> cool. It's Yeah. I mean, there's got to be somewhere else that feels more like Europe. But it's so- a little bit of a sad story, I would <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, it's very sad. <laughs> so it, is there like the potential of doing more iterations of this show? Like not, not just traveling with this exhibit, but like would you do a like round two or round three where you got like more... <laughs> more stuff involved or is this where it ends <laughs> good question um, <laughs> I, I i don't know the answer to that it it um the thing about creative processes is you don't know where they end or or lead um but certainly um opening the show opens opens up more than it closes so yeah and that as as curators um is this like either of your first curatorial thing or have you done other shows in the past yeah this is like my first like big curatorial project i i did other like smaller things um smaller shows during my undergrad um in my bfa but this is like my largest thing carolyn is the director and curator of the mitchell art gallery so this is not Carolyn's oh, first okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That totally my fault. I apologize. I I wasn't aware of that. I really should have gone into this knowing that. But it was like a. It was a part of the important. One of the things that's important to me in in my work, you know, working at a university art gallery is figuring out how to support uh, emerging curators. Right, um, and so. Um, Hannah started working with me on this project when she was an arts and cultural management student. Um, and we had to, like, we just, it had to continue and go on. Um, but there are, it's really hard to get a, a start. Um, and to be able to transfer from like the DIY projects that you do into things that happened in, um, uh, more formal gallery spaces. So, um, yeah, it's something I try to make a habit of and would like to kind of formalize more at the Mitchell. Um, uh, yeah, op- more opportunities for emerging curators. Yeah, I think it's something that's definitely lacking in, in Edmonton and I'm sure yeah. in lots of lots of other places. Like there's not, I don't know, like I, and as someone who is also a practicing artist, it's like, well, there's opportunities for that that like feels somewhat more accessible to me, but to to get to really learn more about curatorial curatorial work it's kind of like it feels very much um I don't know like it's it's behind a velvet curtain like it's just not it's a it's a little bit out of reach like it's just not as accessible there's there's like hoops you have to jump through but you don't know what those hoops are almost mm-hmm. it's kind of a mystery yeah it's that's a problem it's a problem it's a problem <laughs> if we keep it this rarefied thing that only like you know that someone has found the secret sauce to to figure it out that's not good that's not a that's not accessibility that's not a great way to support more people and more perspective get more perspectives in curation at Edmonton so yeah I actually remember in in my undergrad in art school asking about it being like oh I'm interested in 
in curation, like, how do I get into that? Like, what do I do? Like asking a professor and they're like, oh, well, you have to do your master's in it. And you, the only place that you can do it at is in BC. So you'd have to move there and you'd have to do it there. And then, then you can maybe come back and maybe be a curator. Like, well, that, that doesn't, that sounds awful. Like, I don't want to do that. That sounds really elitist. (laughs) There must be a better way. Yeah. yeah, I left town, right? Like I went, yeah. I uh, I did graduate studies at UBC in curatorial studies, but there there's no opportunity. Like there's like the University of Lethbridge has a BFA program in museum studies, curatorial studies, but that's kind of it that I know about. There's probably like a class at AU Arts or something, yeah. but like there there's no opportunities. And so if you have to leave again, it's like that that um that prices out a lot of people yeah Yeah. you don't want curation to just be something that like people with the financial opportunities and we know that class is tied into the axis of domination like we got to do something about it in our community so I mean I'm teaching a curatorial studies class now at McEwen and uh you know so I'm thinking a lot about these things right now and it was an important part of working with Hannah and I've done other work like this. So yeah, it's um it's good to keep talking about this because it is something we need to pay attention to because it's not lacking in the community, the abilities or like the import, the significance of the ideas. And it is something that I think does take, you know, does need support uh, in, in people to do well. And so yeah. let's figure out a way to do that. Where... Like, I, I know the building where the Mitchell is, is new-ish, right? Where where was that gallery before? Or was it new with the building? It was new with the building. So, yeah, we just uh, we just celebrated five years of the Mitchell Art Gallery. So it's it's very new. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go on and actually uh, fill out the survey for you. But just so you know... I'm in a wheelchair and the accessibility of the gallery was amazing. Like from oh, good. Yeah, from from getting there to getting in to all the floor being seamless, everything was good. Great. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to hear that. I I really like the gallery, just the space and like where it is and how like you know, even though there may be like some people would not complain, but like take issue that it's like inside of this building, but it, it's right downtown if you think about it. And it's really like right off the street through like one door. Like we even parked underground just because, but yeah, the whole thing was awesome. The experience and accessibility. So I don't know how many people listening to this are actually in a wheelchair, but I am, and it was great. That's awesome to know. Thank you for, mm-hmm. thanks for letting me know. So how, what's like the, um, how many shows do you guys operate a, a year? Or like, what's what's the turnover? Or I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm wording this terribly. How long does each show run for that you curate? <laughs> So we do, we do like two major exhibitions a year, like basically one per, you know, academic semester. So we do a fall show and a winter show and then we do grad shows for our studio arts program um, and our design program in the spring. And like so much programming. 
along with it. And so you must have access uh, to so many like cool kind of emerging artists, like people coming out of the programs and then maybe having their first show. You get to be a part of that. So you'd like get an inside look at all this, but then you also kind of get to like go to sleep at night knowing you help facilitate all this. <laughs> That's really cool. I'm not gonna lie, I have a great job that I love very much. <laughs> and it and I think it is very cool. And a lot of that is about working with students and helping um and like growing their community connections. So something that I always say to students when they're like, cause it's really hard to, once you leave school, like, what do you do? And yeah. I'm like, once you know me, you can't unknow me. And so one of my favorite things is when former students of mine are coming, are in touch with me and are like, oh, I'm working on this grant. Like, can you look at it? And they know that I'm a person in their life. Like that we're part of the same, we're in a community together. And so to yeah. get to continue to be, um, like build that community is really, is really so awesome. And yeah. And then get to see what they're up to over time. It's the best. Yeah. It's amazing. So you're on that end of things, but then Hannah as, as uh, finished, you're done, right? Being a student, you're an artist. Yeah. Now. I think, I think I'm officially done. <laughs> and, and now for a while. A- after this, what's next for you? Um, great question. Um, yeah, so this this project that I've been working on at the Meg, the mall show is is like a contract position. So I'm we're still continuing to work on planning more programming and events for the show. There's still like stuff to be done. <laughs> uh, so I'm working on that still for the next couple of months. Um, my uh, I also work at Latitude 53, um, right. which is another art gallery in the city. And yeah, so I, I do um, their, their virtual and digital programming. So I, my projects, I have like a few projects that I work on there, like online kind of projects. I manage um, one project I manage is the Art From Here project, which is like a monthly artist showcase that's online. So kind of like thinking about uh, other like more accessible, low barrier um, entry points for artists to showcase their work. I think that project really is a, a really great kind of very basic, simple opportunity for artists to share their work um, with a larger community. Um, yeah, so I work on that. I would, I, I am interested in doing more curatorial work. Um, I have some ideas, but uh, nothing, nothing really coming up. Um, and I'm just trying to uh, chug along in the studio with my own artistic practice <laughs> and make time for that, which is always the hardest thing. You guys just moved, right? Like glad that you yeah. moved. <laughs> Literally like this week, we moved all of our stuff over to our new space. <laughs> and so I'm like so sore. <laughs> when is that going to be up and running? Like when is the first show in the new space? I think we're hoping for something in the summer. Um, this year, 2023, is Latitude's 50th anniversary. So we're going to be doing like a big 50-year show. Yeah, um, that's Hopefully huge. in the fall. Yeah, it's like, it's major and and really, really exciting. So I know we're, we just finished, or we're, we've been kind of like on pause because of the big move, but we've been going through submissions for, for that show. Um, yeah, very, it's very exciting. I think it's like, it's such a great space. And I think that Latitude 53 has been such um, 
a great space for emerging artists and also for, I don't know, more like alternative um, experimental art making. So I'm grateful to have a space like that and to like work for a space like that in the city. How do you feel like our art scene stands up against other cities? Like if you're referencing that latitude is is kind of a place to showcase like lower barrier like emerging artists. Do you think we're like on par with the other Canadian cities or ahead or behind? I don't know. I think Edmonton is like uh is a pretty unique has a very unique art scene and I think we're often um very isolated from the rest of the arts community in Canada, just being like a city on the prairies. Um maybe with not as as large of an art scene as as somewhere like Toronto uh but i think the the quality of the work absolutely stands up and i i think like the the shows that i the shows that i've seen at other smaller artist run centers in the city are 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 definitely comparable to other places it's it's hard for me to be like i'm obviously biased cuz i'm from here and i and i am an artist here and all my friends are artists here but i i think it's I think there's a lot of really cool things going on in the city. And I, I think that Edmonton could be like an unexpected um, arts destination. <laughs> Maybe yeah, more people can see it. <laughs> I agree for sure. What, what do you think about that, Carolyn? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there are certain challenges we face because we don't have the same kind of circulation of people and ideas, uh, you know, because of we're not in a population dense place, right? Like, you know, Montreal, Toronto, like New York, all of the the Eastern seaboard, there's just so many, there's so many people and there's, it's easier to get around. And so we, um, on one hand, don't have those same opportunities or the amount of gallery space or some of that kind of thing. But on the other hand, we have like, I'd say a really friendly scene um, and, uh, and people doing good work in the community. And I think one of the responsibilities that I know I have is try- is trying to support that circulation of people of like so like it's one of the things that I think about a lot in terms of the mentorship program we've done and um, artist residencies is to help help people here be able to build relationships with artists elsewhere um, and uh, so I, like I think that's an important project we have to think a lot about here to support the health of our community um, I think people often are a little hard on like Oh, but what about art opportunities for local artists? And when when there's shows from international folks or other places, and uh, you know, my argument is that well, we need to know those people. Um, let's build relationships with artists in other communities, with artists here, um, to help us get knit into a larger network, um, so people know about the great work that's happening here, and um, help people advance their practice by being exposed to. Um, other art making practices. I mean, I think there's like a, because because of that isolation, I'd love to see um, more opportunities to, uh, that go deeper into what's happening here, like more critical writing, I'd really like to see. Um, But that's something that just, you know, I've tried over the years and if people have ideas about it, oh my gosh, I'd love to hear it because we haven't kind of, there's a couple things we haven't figured out. And I think it that are connected to that kind of isolation and just sort of like a size of community thing. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And I think just like, as when I was uh, a, a fine arts student, I think seeing shows from those out of town people, like from artists in Montreal and Toronto that would come visit, I that was always really exciting to me because it was like this person from this big city is coming to Edmonton and this is an amazing artist. And now, and I get to meet them or I get to go see an artist talk. Um, Like I think specifically seeing uh, Bridget Moser, Bridget Moser's show at Latitude 53. Of course I wasn't working there yet, so not biased. Um, But that was such an amazing show for me as a student or I don't know, maybe I wasn't a student anymore, but as a young emerging artist to see that, uh, there, this is like a, a a performance artist that is being that is really um, that has had a lot, a lot of opportunities come her way and is just really growing and expanding her practice and just to see that uh, in my hometown I think was really cool and to get to like hear her artist talk and and meet her and like it's I don't know experiences like that I think are really valuable. Yeah, no, definitely I. I constantly am on the fence. Do we need like more? I mean, of course we need more local like showcases, but we also need more outside people coming through to show the local people what can be done. So it's always, I think, like a, a delicate balance between the two. And depending on, you know, my mood for the day, I might think more local, more like out of town people to show the locals. But I yeah. think just like an, a good balance of both is probably essential. Yeah, definitely. And then at at Mitchell, I assume it's, it's only local people, like only people affiliated with Graham McEwen are able to like show work there. Um, so uh, the Mitchell Art Gallery, like, we're a public art gallery with public mandate. So, oh, um, okay. so we're like, you know, we're, we're in a network of over 45 university art galleries in Canada. Um, and so uh, certainly we have, like, I don't have to try to program alumni because we have great alumni who do great work, but that's right. not like the focus of our programming. We serve the university, but we also serve a greater greater community um and so uh yeah so yeah it certainly is not limited to being a McEwen student or or alumni or faculty or anything like that at all sorry I I kind of botched that one too no I, I <laughs> it's a great question and it's like we're the only university art gallery of that kind in the city right and exactly so it's I, was, I was gonna say question. like Exactly. Like the fine, the fine arts building gallery at the University of Alberta is it the the programming is mostly like graduate exhibitions um, and like alumni. Um, not that the that programming is bad in any way. Like the the Fab Gallery puts on amazing exhibitions, and I think it's often overlooked. Right. Um, but yes, it is. It is all all their programming is like connected to the university. Yeah, I think the Mitchell, what the Mitchell does, yeah, it's just totally different in in a in a great way. Like it's good to have both. I think. Totally, yeah. So we're more like um, the 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 Belkin at U Art Gallery at UBC, or you know the University of Lethbridge Art Gallery, or um, uh, the Art Gallery at York University. In terms of like more similar kinds of university art galleries. 
And how how far ahead are you planning programming? Like you don't I don't need to know what's coming up. I just mean like how how far in advance do you have to plan the shows? In a perfect world, I would be planning <laughs> uh one to two years in advance. Uh that is always my goal. Uh uh, you know, I I work on a very small team. It's me and one other person in terms of full-time staff. And then we have like contractors we worked with and stuff like that. So I'm doing my best to achieve that timeline. Uh, But it doesn't always go like that. Because real life is real life. And do you teach as well? I do. Yeah. So right now I'm teaching um, curatorial studies in the arts and cultural management program. Um, so yeah, so if there's people listening and are interested in learning more about curation, we do have that class. Um, and I'm really keen on, uh, and I have a lot of like open study students in that class actually. So not folks who are enrolled in a program, which is really exciting to me. And I hope we'll see more of that. Um, because again, it's like, it's such a big gap to be able to talk about, uh, curation in, in this town. Yeah. This is the only class like this. In, the, in city, the city, just yeah. to just to put that out there. So very, very cool stuff. Very awesome to see. <laughs> yeah. So the, I mean, you won't admit it, but I'll say it for you. You have your hand in like some quite important stuff in the city. You're like, you got the whole scene on your shoulders. It seems, in a way, <laughs> no pressure or anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, I don't want to pressure you, but that's incredible. Yeah. I'm trying to think if if I have any other questions. I just wanted to know what made you guys want to do this and if you had your own memories and then every other topic was just kind of freestyled. So (laughs) it was great. Yeah, this was fun. uh, (laughs) Either of you have anything else you you wanna talk about or mention? I think just let people know that the show is up at the Mitchell Art Gallery until April 1st, 2023. We will be having a closing reception party on uh, March 30th. And it kind of like that is kind of like the culmination of everything we've talked about. Like there's going to be work from uh, McEwen Studio Arts students on display. So they're creating responses to the work in the exhibition, which will be really, really cool. Um there will be the um, the launch of Hungry Zine. Their their special mall food edition will be happening on that uh, March thirtieth date as well. Um, in addition to uh, a very special um, pinata pinata event <laughs> happening, <laughs> there will be a pinata activity. So <laughs> even though I missed the initial talks and opening, the closing will be fun as well. Yes. Yes. Oh, you there's there's lots going on. And and Cindy Baker, one of the artists in the exhibition, will be performing. Um, she has performances almost pretty much every week. Um, so if you miss her performance, you can come see it again and come check out the show. The show's always worth it to come check it out. Just walk through it again. So <laughs> there's more time with other it. things in the works too. Yes. That, um we're we're just getting our ducks at a row to announce. Yes. That'll be coming up late February, early March. So yeah, okay, this is interesting because that kind of answers my question of like, did this 
opened the door for more, like it made you think about what more mall related art could you have a part of? And and this is kind of the answer. And yeah, I, I think I assume things are coming up. Yeah. yeah, like until these other things happen, you're probably compounding new ideas, right? So even between now and then, it'll probably change what, what the offering is. Yeah, I mean, things keep coming up. Um, people keep emailing us. <laughs> yeah. Anything's possible. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you very much for uh, taking time to answer some of these questions. It was really nice talking to both of you. And uh, the show is great. I, uh, I've been telling people to go. Like, we have a, it's not that huge, but we have a Discord where people talk about local things. So this is getting talked about in there for sure. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. And uh, I'll, I'll definitely see you guys at the closing event. Yes. Great. That would be amazing. <laughs> thank you. And um, oh, actually, you know, if, if either of you ever come across any artists like in in your curating or whatever, and you want to have them be able to kind of like verbalize anything they want to talk about like please reach out to me i i try to like learn about everything happening in the city and i want to talk to everyone but it, it's hard to like keep my finger on the pulse of everything but if you can ever think of any artists or anything you want to send my way like please do yeah definitely that sounds great yeah will do <laughs> uh all right Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, I'll see you guys at the, the closing event. Sounds Thanks. good. Thanks so much, Wes. It was great seeing you. Thank you. Thank you.